We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. The NBA draft is done. The Bulls have selected Dalen Terry out of Arizona. And now we are on to free agency. Free agency officially opens, I believe, Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Deals are already starting to come in. Tampering. We've got Jalen Brunson seemingly on the verge of signing a big money deal with the New York Knicks. We got some DeJounte Murray trade rumors. The Spurs are acting asking for a King's ransom for Murray. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with him. And a couple like minor re-signings, Torian Prince to the Wolves, Ivaka Zubak to the Clippers. PJ Tucker supposedly going to the Sixers. What was that? PJ Tucker apparently going to the Sixers for like three years, thirty million is the reporting on that. Uh, the, the Sixers have some Sixers have some maneuvering to do, I believe, to be able to pay him that much. But uh, what tampering? Yes, John Wall uh, bought John out Wall finally. Finally, yeah, go ahead. Finally free. Yeah, finally. So we're going to talk about some of our favorite Bulls free agency targets. We can talk about uh, you know just everything going on with the team entering a pretty critical off season. I'm going to start this off by saying that the Bulls have two very defined needs. Jason, you've heard this. Anyone who listens to the podcast has heard it. It's size and shooting. Now, they did not address either of those needs with their draft pick. Dalen Terry was very much a best player available style draft pick more than we're drafting a player to fill a need. I personally believe that that is the correct draft philosophy. And I understand it can be frustrating. I'm a lifelong Chicago Bears fan. It's one of the worst things <laughs> about me. And when the Bears did not draft a receiver this year, I was very upset. Drafting two defensive players? What the hell? They're hanging my boy Justin Fields out to dry. But 
I see the vision begrudgingly. And that is you got to go with the best player available, especially in the NBA, I feel like. Yes. When the rosters turn over so quickly, it typically takes rookies, you know, just young players a little bit to make a true, truly meaningful impact. Uh, so Terry coming onto the Bulls, he was introduced this week. What I wanted to say about Terry is that he was a bet on length, motor, and passing. And Arturis Karnaschovas took those words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I felt like I wasn't fully prepared to talk about Terry when we did our original podcast on him, just because I had had a marathon work day that day. My head was totally spinning. Yep. We were doing that podcast at like 12.30 a.m. And, and I feel like I didn't you know, think, I was saying, I didn't feel like we were going to, that he was really on the Bulls radar. I know you had him high, uh, like even going before them. But like, I feel like most of the talk just like was not about Dale and Terry leading up to the draft. So like. Kind of out of nowhere almost. Now, certainly, in hindsight, he fits the type of player Arturis Karnaschovas has always targeted in the draft, which is someone who is big, positional size, toolsy, and can't really shoot. He did that with Patrick Williams. He did it with Iodasumu. He did it with Dalen Terry. Now, of course, Iodasumu, Dalen Terry, both had pretty solid three-point percentages in their time in college. What they didn't have is shooting gravity, which means you're going to come into the league as someone opposing defenses are going to respect when they stand at the three-point arc. Uh, And I think that's really interesting about Karnaschovas. When he came to the Bulls, I think just maybe it was just sort of like stereotyping Europeans, or maybe it was looking into how uh, he built the Nuggets roster. But I think we all said, you know, what this guy values is like dribble pass shoot. Yeah. I remember. And I no longer think you can really say that. I think what we've learned about Karnaschovas is he wants truly versatile players who, if they can't shoot, he's fine with that. The Bulls last year, number 30 in three point rate is a team. That happened partially because Arturis Karnaschovas' big free agent signing is famously the worst three-point shooter of this generation of stars, pretty much, in DeMar DeRozan, one of the worst. DeRozan has a mid-range heavy attack. DeRozan's going to take a lot of field goals. So naturally, the team is not going to take a ton of three-pointers. But the problem with the Bulls is that too often, the role players standing around the three-point arc would not take open shots. They turn them down. And yeah, when Io DeSumo took wide open threes, when Patrick Williams took wide open threes, they would go in at a decent clip. But opposing defenses did not respect them as shooters. And we saw that bear to be true in the first round playoff loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. When the Bucks put all of their defensive attention on DeMar DeRozan, they packed the paint with multiple seven footers. And they said, we don't believe anyone on the Bulls can beat us from behind the arc. And the Bucks were correct. They lost Chris Middleton, but still won the series in an absolute blowout, including consecutive games where they routed the Bulls at the United Center. So coming into this offseason, after the selection of Dalen Terry, who I like a lot, uh, but to me, he's not filling their needs. No. That's fine. You fill your needs in free agency. You take the best player available in the draft. So in free agency, Jason, the Bulls are going to be armed with the mid-level exception, a contract that roughly equates to four years, $40 million. It's the same contract the Bulls signed Alex Caruso to last season. 
Obviously, Caruso, an extremely impactful player for the Bulls. Another player who can't really shoot. Can't shoot. He can shoot a little bit. He doesn't have shooting gravity, though. That seems to be Karnaschovas' type. And to just, like, sort of go on a philosophy road here, it makes me wonder, like, in a league where everyone's so obsessed with shooting, you can Google Tony Snell career earnings. You can Google Doug McDermott career earnings. Those guys are not particularly good basketball players, but in McDermott's case, he's a legitimately good shooter. Little, he's pretty one-dimensional as a player. He's just a shooter. Snell's like a kind of a fake shooter, but he's tall enough to where people respect him. Shoots obviously very well from the free throw line. In a world where everyone's over-indexing on shooting, paying bad players just because they can shoot. Arturis Karnaschovas is fading shooting. He's saying the market inefficiency in today's NBA is non-shooters. That's my <laughs> takeaway from how he's managed the draft, from how he's managed free agency. And now that he has seen his team in one year after this bold makeover he embarked on ahead of last season, to me, that season sort of showed like where the Bulls have shortcomings. I do not believe the Bulls have enough shooting. I do not believe the Bulls have enough size. And if the Bulls aren't going to swing a trade for a headline star like Rudy Gobert or like RIP Kevin Durant, who I had so <laughs> much fun tweeting about. Over I was that. ready to like, I was ready to kind of talk about that today too. And instead, Kyrie fucked it all up. Listen, buddy, we're kicking the can down to summer 2023. <laughs> Kevin Durant is not on the Nets ahead of the 2023 2024 season. I'm stamping that. Oh, you man. think the Nets got peace? The Nets don't got peace. Even with Kyrie opting into that contract, that was literally my headline today at SB Nation. I wrote about the state of the Nets. You could check that out on SBNation.com. The Nets are still in flux, in my opinion, but seems likely, very likely, Durant's going to be in a Brooklyn uniform. So the dream will be deferred to another year. But if the Bulls do not go after someone to fit into their closing lineup, they're closing lineup right now on papers. It's pretty set. Vooch, DeRozan, Levine, Caruso, Ball. Lord willing, Ball. Yeah, the lineup basically that played what like nine. It was like ninety minutes they played together last year, and they were very good. Uh, we just never barely saw it because there were all the fucking injuries. Yeah, but if, assuming they do most to run it back, uh, I mean, maybe sometimes Patrick Williams is in there if he's playing well over Caruso or maybe Patrick Williams is in there over Vucevic if teams are going small uh, at times. Like I said, I think I think that five probably is, and we talked about this before last year, and they were good, that that five probably is it. But I think there will be times where we see pad close uh, and and depending on matchups or how game flow and how it's going. But, yeah, sorry, just continue with your point. <laughs> so if you're not going to go after a headline star, yeah. you got to go after depth. And I think when the Bulls lost to the Bucks, yes, the Bucks had the best player in the series, and in my opinion, the best player in the world, and Giannis and Dedekopo. But the Bucks were also just stronger depth-wise, spots six, seven, eight, nine in the rotation. And the Bulls were really bad in those spots. The Bulls were running out, you know, a very small front line, first and foremost. Tristan Thompson was just straight garbage. <laughs> Fuck that guy, hate him. <laughs> But also for the majority of the year, like their backup front court was Tarek Jones, who's 6'6", 200 pounds. Javante Green, who's like 6'3", 6'4". So they need to add some beef. They need to add some shooting. Number 30 and three-point race, not going to cut it. And that's how I'm going to set up you, Jason, for 
the Bulls options in free agency. You know what I want. I want size and shooting, baby. Maybe every team in the league wants size and shooting. I mean, the Bulls clearly need it. I mean, just based on what we saw, what everything you just said, what we saw last year, they didn't have enough. They didn't take enough threes, and their front court, especially when Patrick Williams was hurt, was tiny and it was very small. So, Jason, the Bulls armed with the mid-level exception. Uh, we're not like super salary cap nerds, so maybe we're not like the best people to listen to this. But I don't believe they have the biannual exception this year because they used part of it on Tristan Thompson. That was the reporting out there. Yes. <clears throat> now, please clutch. Like we did you this huge favor, gifting Tristan Thompson this money he didn't deserve. Please hand deliver us LeBron. Like two years from now, once the Lakers go up in flames, I want that. But until that happens, Jason, the Bulls need to make some free agent signings this year. Don't have a ton of wiggle room, but like I said, mid-level exception, you should be able to get a pretty good player on that deal. Yeah. Mid-level so exception. How are you approaching this free agency, Jason? And just like, what's your mindset in terms of, you know, who the Bulls should be looking at and how they should approach it? Yeah. First of all, uh, obviously, we will reiterate it again. Zach Levine sounds like he's back like right away. Like, I think I saw Walsh say something today that like Zach and clutch and the bulls are getting together around free agency starts on Thursday. And that shit's going to be hopefully hammered out. Hopefully that's done. Every all signs point to Zach coming back first order of business. Seems like that is done and we don't have to worry about anything like that unless something goes like really fucked up. So that's all good. Uh, another bit of small news, Tony Bradley, one of our, the terrible backup depth for the bulls opted into his player option day, $2 million. Uh, I guess if he's like the 15th man, fine. I would maybe like to trade him, maybe open up, some room because as you mentioned uh, the bulls with Zach back on a max. And then the middle of exception is about $10 million. Uh, they will start getting close. If you use a mid-level exception, you are hard capped and that's going to be at like 155 million. I mean, first of all, the bulls actually have to pay the tax. If the bulls pay Zach and use the mid-level exception, they will be probably right around the tax line, getting into the tax line, which I mean, pay the fucking tax for crying out loud. Like, Look at, look, look at these other teams. The Warriors obviously just spent a ton on a champion. The Clippers just keep adding and adding salary. Uh, and obviously they're going to be a top contender next year. But like, I mean, they just like Zubac, uh, other like deals. They're, they're adding salary and their they're luxury tax bill is going to be huge again. Bulls never pay the tax, like period. They've done it once. So like with paying Zach and use it and they need to use this full mid-level, like I said, it's going to get them close to the tax, maybe into the tax. They also do have that Daniel Tice five, $5 million trade exception from when he signed the sign and trade to the Rockets. I'm not sure if they'll be able to use that again, hard cap at like 155 million if, with Zach with a full mid-level with that on top of it, you might have to move some other salary around. Obviously maybe they do that with Kobe white or something else like that. So those are just some of like the cap, machinations stuff like that just something to think about as the bulls do go into free agency again they better be prepared to pay the luxury tax even if it's small um yeah aside from big moves it seems like the gobert stuff has died down anything else would be a kind of a surprise at this point like are they in on the john's john collins talks uh doesn't seem like it to junty murray talked about uh, i doubt that the he doesn't sound like the Bulls would probably be on that. The uh, Spurs are looking for like three, four first-round picks. Drew Holiday package. Bulls don't really have any first-round picks. I can't imagine they're in on that there. So it does seem like it is definitely quiet on like the big name front. Again, you never know. Vucevic trade come out of nowhere. So if they are just basically looking to add with the mid-level, uh, they I, I believe Karnasovas or obviously maybe both of them talked about the need to add rim protection. I think they were asked about it after the draft. Uh, so if we're thinking about big guys, if we're thinking about shooting, 
uh, I think one of the very popular names right now that's going around, especially after John Wall went to the Clippers, is Isaiah Hardenstein. Hardenstein. Uh, I'm not sure which way how to say that. Hardenstein, Hardenstein. Either way, uh, because the Clippers, it sounds like they're going to use their taxpayer mid-level on John Wall. Again, Clippers adding salary. It's great. They're going to pay Nick Batum, too. They just paid Zubash. Uh, paying out the wazoo for their team. It's great. However, because of the cab rules, they can't really pay uh, Hart, Hartenstein that much. So the Bulls could, if they want to swoop in here, maybe offer him the full mid-level. I don't know if he'll take that or part of the a big part of the mid-level uh, to get it done if they want to try to split the mid-level in multiple, into multiple players. Uh, again, to get him away from L.A., like I don't know if he would stay in L.A. on a cheap deal. I think, I think they could only offer him like two or three million in th- this season. Uh, they could do that and then like sign him, re-sign him to a bigger deal next year once they have early bird rights. Uh, he seems like he really likes LA. He obviously broke out there. But if he doesn't want to go get the bag this year, uh, the Bulls should probably be in those conversations. He had, a, like I said, breakout season. He played like 17, 18 minutes a game with the Clippers. I think it was like eight, five. And like he averaged like two and a half assists per game in like 17 minutes a game. That's incredible for a center. Uh, just so that's another just like versatile, much of a more versatile big man than a guy like Tony Bradley. He's just very large, but he can't really do shit. Uh, Hardenstein, good, like I said, good, good playmaker as a center. He also averaged over a block a game, which I believe is either more than Vooch or like right there again in like half the playing time. Uh, so a bit of little rim protection, solid rim protection there. So, like, as a backup, not bad. Do you want to pay? use your full med level on a backup center. I guess like if you have visions of Hardenstein, maybe becoming full-time starting center after if Vooch moves on after the season, I wouldn't say, I mean, he's, I think he's 24, 25. He's pretty young. Uh, obviously uh, there's, there's some other center names out there. If that's where, if you're looking for size, uh, Mitchell Robinson, though, I know Mark Stein said, it sounds like Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson, who had been linked to the bulls, probably going back to the Knicks is allegedly what Mark Stein had said multiple times. I know the Knicks seem to have these grand plans with Brunson. Sounds like it's basically a done deal. Uh, I know Stein said that maybe they could also pivot into the Murray trade stuff. Mark Stein did say that Mitchell Robinson, he he had heard that going back to the Knicks. Mo Bamba, we've talked about. It sounds like he's going to be kind of squeezed out of Orlando now that they have uh, Paolo and all those other guys that they have there. Uh, Mo Bamba had a pretty nice season. Good three. He would add at least a little more three-point shooting uh, from the front court, so like a stretch big. Uh, he wouldn't be a bad option. I know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe you just don't believe in him. He was what our number six pick, but uh, playing with the Magic, still he had like a t- I think average like ten and eight. He's obviously got a huge wingspan. He shot like 38 percent from three. Then uh, Chris Boucher is another name I saw people talking about. Then you get into like the Javale McGee's. I saw so one of our Twitter followers uh, mentioned Bismack Biombo. I mean, actually, there was that was we have some questions for you. From listeners out there, I know he we had a bunch of guys. Yeah, I mean, he brought up this is Jay from the Shy. If you could pick one backup center, Mo Bamba, Mitchell Robinson, Hardenstein, or Thomas Bryant, that's another name. He mentioned Biombo as well. Uh, those are names out there. He also brought up Tony Snell. You brought up Tony Snell. Would you bring Tony Snell back for on the minimum for at least a little bit of shooting? I don't know if I could do that to myself just because I've made fun of him. Otto <laughs> Porter Jr. Uh, return, like Otto. I mean, Otto played great. Great minutes for the Warriors. He's playing hitting clutch threes for them in a net in a title clinching game. Like uh, I'm assuming on a minimum, he would just go back to Golden State. Um, but I think he would probably take a little more. I mean, those are just some of the names out there. We had somebody uh, again, Jay from the chat. He gave us a, a bunch of names here. Thank you for all these uh, suggestions. Bryn Forbes, uh, another pretty good shooter. I know he's kind of tiny, not the great, greatest defender, but pretty good shooter there. 
Um, so those are just some names. Um, what do you think of, of Hartenstein, first of all? Because I feel like that's the really just like popular name going around right now since it does seem like there's a good chance he leaves LA. And uh, just he seems like I know people have talked about signing him last year. I feel like you talked about signing him last year. Uh, so I feel like you, you would be down for something like that. How much would you be willing to offer him in free agency? Absolutely. Last year, I thought he was a no-brainer to offer as someone who was a minimum center with some upside. Then, like you said, he broke out this year with the Clippers. And now, I mean, he's looking at $10 million a year, potentially the full mid-level exception. I, it seems likely he's going to get that from somebody, whether it's the Bulls or not. So let's talk about Isaiah Hartenstein, a.k.a. Hard Rock. Seven foot, 250 pounds, turned 24 years old in May. So this will be his age, 24 season. He is first and foremost an advanced stats darling in a per minute monster. You mentioned some of his stats, Jace. Per 36 minutes, 16 and a half points, 10 rebounds, just about five assists, two and a half blocks, a steal and a half. I mean, just marvelous stats per 36 minutes. But of course, in the regular season with the Clippers, he was backing up Zubak and he played just about 18 minutes a game. So as I've been saying, the Bulls need size. He would check the box of size. In terms of shooting, he was an incredibly good three-point shooter last year, 46.7%, but he only took 30 attempts. He went 14 to 30 from three-point range. Per 36 minutes, almost won a game. You wonder, you know, if you're playing in more minutes, is he attempting a three every game? Seems like he is a a pretty decent shooter from the free throw line, 68% from his career. What else does he bring to the table? What does he, like, actually bring to the table? Okay. One, play finishing. Very good two-point shooter. 64% from two-point range this past season. uh, 61.7% for his career. So he's someone who, if he gets the ball in close, can typically make a basket. Uh, Connective passing is the other thing he brings. Almost five assists per 36 minutes. Very good passer. I think you could put him at, like, the elbows, run some dribble handoffs through him, let him hit backdoor cutters. Uh, he's, he's a plus passer for a center. There's no doubt about that. And then he brings it on the glass too. Uh, you know, very good offensive rebounder, good defensive rebounder, just attacks the glass. So he's someone who finishes well, attacks the glass, passes well. My question is if you're giving him four years, $40 million, can he play with Vooch or is he strictly a backup five at that contract? He would be one of the highest paid backup centers in the league, I believe. Nerland's Noel makes about that much money in New York. Doesn't seem like a very good contract for Nerland's uh, after the first year of his deal, right? So I love the idea of Hard Rock on the Bulls. I wanted it last year. He was so much better this past season with the Clippers than he was at any point before that. But I wonder, can he play with Vooch? Now, maybe Vooch's spacing, like Vooch's shooting ability, Gives you enough spacing where, like, yeah, maybe that could work. We just saw the Celtics play two centers, make it to the NBA Finals. But I just wonder, these guys are going to be pretty freaking slow. Right. If you got Booch yeah, and Harden. Not exactly Horford and, and Time Lord uh, defensively. <laughs> Time Lord, an elite athlete, no doubt. Horford, incredibly strong on his feet, despite the fact that he's older than I am. But I look at Hartenstein and I look at Vooch and I just think, these guys are pretty slow. Now, if someone has watched more Hartenstein than I have, please correct me if you think. Actually, he's pretty fleet of foot, but seven foot, 250, he's a big guy. Yeah. He's 
good in part because of his size, in large part because of his size. So uh, if he's purely a backup five, now I'm wondering, is this someone where you just let Vooch expire next year? Right. Replace him with Harder. My issue with that, though, is should there be some level of motivation for the Bulls to, quote, protect the asset, which is Vooch's contract? Right. If the Bulls let Vooch go, they still don't have salary cap space. They're still going to be way yeah. over the cap. They'd be under more under the luxury tax. But as we talked about with the Warriors, a big reason why they won the championship this year was because they gave D'Angelo Russell a max contract that everyone knew he didn't deserve. They did that to just have that salary slot there so they could eventually move him for Andrew Wiggins, who was their second best player on a championship team. Ah, Draymond was pretty great, too, at the end of the series. But for the sake of my argument, let's say Wiggins was their second best player. So I I wonder about that route, too. Like, whatever happens with Vooch, is Vooch going to be here beyond this year? Is Vooch going to get traded? Is Vooch going to resign an extension? There have been rumors that Vooch wants an extension. Do the Bulls want an extension? What would that extension look like? Vooch was disappointing last year. He wasn't terrible, but I think we can all agree he was a little bit disappointing. I, I mean, I mean, if you want to like a really like a short-term team-friendly one, like to trade at some point, like maybe. Uh, I, I guess I wouldn't really want to commit to him <laughs> for what he'll be th- what 32, 33 next year. Like wow. I don't I don't, don't want to commit to him unless like like I said, short team friendly, so you can trade it, but <laughs> So I'm good with Hartenstein in the fact that he's only going to be 24 this year. A four-year deal will cover like the majority of his prime. So that seems solid to me. They need size. That's great. I just don't know how he really fits the team beyond being a backup center. Right. Now, is there a chance he's actually better than Vooch? I don't think that's totally unreasonable. He's not going to be able to space the floor the same way Vooch can, he could possibly be better as an interior defender. And when I gave the list of credentials for Isaiah Hartenstein, I did not mention rim protection. He's an excellent rim protector. So it's play finishing, rim protection, rebounding, connective passing. That's what he's bringing. He's also seven foot, 250 and 24 years old. So he's got youth, he's got size. What more do you want? I just wonder... How does he fit with Vooch in can he be a starting center? I think he could possibly be good enough to be a starting center. I'm in on that idea. I think right. if you're giving him that long-term deal, I feel like that's like, all right, you're going to be Vooch's backup this year. And then he's going to be the starting center. How does that, how did Vooch feel about that? When he like sees you pay somebody that it's like, Oh, this guy's going to take my job next year. I don't know. Do the Bulls actually care about that? I'm sure they kind of do a little bit, uh, which I guess this also just comes back to the point of like, do you want to use the full mid-level on a center when they also do need more shooting and just like more talent elsewhere as well? So like, do you want to use the full four-year or full mid-level on this one guy? Would you rather split it up? Would you rather use it on somebody else, like a shooter and try to find big guy, uh, just cheap big guys? You can always kind of find cheap big guys, except they tried that route last year with Tony Bradley and he stunk. But like, or would you try to go sign? Like, would you like, there are like, there's also like, we had, I mentioned some of those guys like Biombo and like Javel. And I think like DeMarcus Cousins is out, I think out there and like Hassan Whiteside. Like, would you rather sign those guys for like the minimum or like a little above the minimum and then try to use the mid level for more shooting or stuff like that? Like, there are like def- definitely different ways they can go about this. But like, if they like really like Hard Rock and like they think he could be like the starting long term, like term center, 
uh once vooch is like out uh then yeah go for it and then you'll have to just use minimums or whatever to or maybe use the that trade exception if you can to try to add shooting uh possibly do go that route too uh just get lucky with like some minimum not not Matt Thomas and hopefully you just get some cheap guys who can play who can provide some depth and hit some shots uh because again we are we again we we're not looking for guys to like go they're not going to be getting guys here that are going to be closing lineup guys like we know what their closing lineup is they have a decent amount of shooting in it as long as they're actually healthy with Lonzo Levine and Vooch if Vooch can at least get back to uh get back to average level at least it would just be nice to have more shooting depth of course so yeah, it's interesting. Uh, any of the, besides Hard Rock, any of these other names really standing out to you in terms of the big men, or if, if we're looking at shooters or wings, anybody else standing out to you? All right, so I know I'm, we've talked about Kyle Anderson. Well, yeah, I love Kyle Anderson. I was Slow-mo. pitching that from the start. I mean, I think that you know if they were going to do the Gobert trade and include Patrick Williams, give me Kyle Anderson. Now, Kyle Anderson, not a great three point shooter. No. And given that the Bulls don't have any shooting, really, it would be a little bizarre to add him. Right. But Kyle Anderson's really good. I think that the Bulls kind of need like a 6'9 guy. And Kyle Anderson's 6'9", 230, 28 years old. He's about to turn 29 ahead of next season. So it'll be his age 29 season. Uh, for his career, a 33% three-point shooter, but he only takes 1.3 a game. Last year, the three ball fell. No, it was right. It was right there. Basically, it fell off from 36 percent in 2021 to 33% right in line with his career averages this past year. I think Anderson's really solid because he gives you great positional size. Uh, he gives you a lot of playmaking. He rebounds and he's very solid on defense per 36 minutes, almost two steals over a block a game. So he's like a fiery competitor with good positional size who gets after it defensively, who passes. To me, that sounds like every guy Arturis Karnaschovas has ever targeted, right? <laughs> like that is his archetype, is Kyle Anderson. Four years, 40 million for Kyle Anderson at age 29, 30, 31, 32. I think that'd probably be a pretty good deal. But I just wonder how many open threes are the Bulls going right. to pass up to work <laughs> into an even tougher shot. So I love Kyle Anderson. I'm all in on this. But I would have liked it more if they did the Gobert deal. Maybe they still do the Gobert deal. Uh, and then, like, in my opinion, you'd be upgrading at two positions. Like, I believe Patrick Williams has a bright future. But what Pat has shown himself to be right now at age 20, not as good as Kyle Anderson is, obviously, at age 28. Like, this shouldn't be a polarizing opinion. So I would have been into that with the – is it like a – Compliment to the Gobert deal. Now, Gobert deal seems like probably not going to happen. I'm not going to totally write it off. There could be a woge bomb at any minute that shocks us. But I still think Anderson should garner some consideration. A couple other guys I like. First of all, yeah. Oh, yeah. Boucher. Yeah. Go ahead with that. So I love Boucher. I always have. I think he's possibly the most unlikely NBA player. (laughs) And there's a lot of truly wild stories about guys making it to the NBA. Boucher, I believe, never played organized basketball until he was 19. He was working as a cook in a kitchen, making minimum wage, taking the bus in Montreal to and from work. It was basically discovered on a a playground, shooting hoops. Uh, Started, uh, basically got like uh, brought into like a local team 
they helped him get into community college, went to a couple of community colleges, eventually got to Oregon. And I liked him at Oregon because so tall and skinny, 6'9", 200 pounds, very good shot blocker and good shooter. Now, his shot fell off a little bit last year, 33.5% for his career. In the 2021 season, in 60 games, he hit 38% of his threes. Last year, 29% of his threes. He's always been a pretty good shooter, though, and I believe Boucher can rediscover his shooting strength. Uh, He's got length. He's got shot blocking. We said those are two things the Bulls need. 2.4 blocks per game for his career. Now, I don't really know what happened with Boucher last year, but his numbers were just worse across the board on a permanent basis from last year to the year before. Uh, Would he command an entire mid-level exception? I mean, given his production last year, possibly not. But, you know, if you're talking about trying to fill size and shooting, he's one of the few players on the market who potentially fills both. He could be a front court shooter and he could be a shot blocker. Uh, The question is, how good is Boucher? Like, 29 years old, obviously because of his rise in the sport, he just has like a weird developmental track. It's not someone who's been playing the game since he was in, you know, yeah. grade school and was noticed at an early age. Like his just developmental curve is much different from a typical player, but I've always liked him. Uh, I don't know what he's going to cost. I truly have no idea what the Chris Boucher market's going to be, but you know, for, I, I, that, I like for that type of player, would you take Boucher or Bamba? Cause I feel like so Bamba is also just kind of a wild card. So I got the Bomba EPM pulled up. This site, dunksandthrees.com, does an all-in-one stack called EPM. It gives you their offensive uh, you know, percentile, defensive percentile overall. So Bomba was 64th percentile offensively, 79th percentile defensively, 72nd percentile overall. Boucher was 72nd percentile offensively, 89th percentile defensively, 86th percentile overall so i think bomba is definitely going to get more money because of his upside theoretically (laughs) number six overall pick the same year the bulls took wendell carter number seven his four years with the magic you know not particularly great but he did sorry about that he did have the best year of his career this past season at age 23 basically spacing the floor for wendell carter over there in orlando he hit 38 percent of his threes uh, rebounded decently, blocked shots real well, uh, you know, 2.3 blocks per 36 minutes. So Bamba gives you immense length, 7-7 seven, seven wingspan. He's a pretty decent catch-and-shoot shooter. Uh, is a free-throw guy last year, 78%. Now, he's a career 65% free-throw shooter, 78% last year. So did something change with Bamba where he just – became better as a shooter his release changed i don't like what happened to make him a little more potent both as a three-point shooter and a free throw shooter in college his shooting was always very theoretical i wrote a feature on mo bamba when he was 15 years old at usa basketball camp usa junior mini camp camp that brings in the top 60 players in the country regardless of class i went there and i'm like who's that guy so big so long was shooting threes in practice And I would never cover someone who was a sophomore, but I'm like, this guy's got to be the next big thing. Ends up being a, you know, number six overall pick in the NBA draft. Hasn't been very good to this point. Basically got drafted off his tools, which is length, uh, shot blocking. 
you know, where's his motor at? That's always been a question with Mo Bamba. Does he truly play hard on every possession? Does he truly love hooping? You know, when you're that big, you kind of just get sort of pushed into playing basketball. Does he truly love playing basketball? I would like Bamba. I think Bamba is going to get the full mid-level exception at the minimum. I could also see one of these under-the-cap teams being like, well, we'll just bet on Mo Bamba. You know, he's always had the talent. He hasn't really put it together. But to me, you're still, like, paying for upside more than production in the sense. Like, he hasn't been a super productive player yet. I can get suckered into the upside, though. And, again, he's one of the few players who would check both sides and shooting. I do think he could play next to Vooch at the four, have him be a supersized four, let him be like a weak side rim protector, let him space the floor as a catch and shoot guy. Now, again, you're going to be slow in the front court with Vooch and Bamba, right? But at least Bamba has immense length to make up for. He's right. got historically good NBA length, like seven, eight wingspan or something, seven, nine, maybe. So he's basically the longest guy in the league, good shot blocker, capable shooter. So I can sell myself on Bamba. I do feel like there's been a lot of buzz around him in the Knicks. Now, how does the Knicks pursuit? And well, the Knicks, the Knicks just dumped Nerlens and Alec Burks, the Pistons for cap space. Whoa. Uh, to try to get obviously for the Jalen Brunson thing. That's a lot of salary. That's like 20 million or yeah, yeah. 19 million more. I don't know if they had to do trade that much to get him. Uh, so I don't know. If, I don't know if the Knicks have. I don't know if the Knicks have. Uh, the Knicks have more plans there to do other stuff. Uh, I know there have been rumors that about waving Taj. It would have been kind of fun to bring Taj back. Not that he. I don't, I don't know if he'd be useful on the Bulls anymore at this point. But uh, yeah, so big. Yeah, trade there. Nolan's well. Alec Burks going to the Pistons. We'll see if that gets kind of roped into that crazy draft trade. Uh, Jalen Brunson in the Knicks certainly seems like it's happening right now. Uh, or going to happen like right when free agency starts. Uh, so yeah, interesting stuff there. Breaking news, right? As we're talking. Um, yeah. So I would guess, I, w- I mean, in terms of Bamba to the Knicks, uh, he is, is he from New York? Did he grow up in New York? Yeah. yeah so like there's ties there. Uh, but again, I think they're bringing back Mitch. Uh, so if they do, I guess I don't really see how the Bamba thing. And now that they have, if they have Nerlens, I guess we'll see if Nerlens stays. Like if they bring back Mitch and they have, or no, what am I talking about? The Knicks are trading Nerlens. But if they bring back Mitch, I don't know if they're, they're going to throw, if they're even going to have money to uh, tr- uh, go to Bomba. I guess I don't have their cap numbers in front of me right now, but uh, we'll see, I guess. Uh, yeah, but I think I, I think all, the, like, all these guys, like uh, we had a few other people, like I said, we had uh, one guy ask about these big guys. We had another guy, Jake Pollock, Pollock uh, asked about Hartenstein, Hard Rock, Bomba, Boucher, Mitchell Robinson, and who would, we had, like I can talk myself into all these guys. You just do wonder like, how uh like they do uh, are they just going to be straight backups is this a situation where they try to play big at times uh do you want to spend that much money on a backup big man i'm not sure um let's let's the the knicks included two seconds in that deal to get them to take alec burks in nerlands you wonder do the pistons really want nerlands and burks is the question is is Nerlens going to be on an expiring? Is the last year of that contract unguaranteed? That's what I want to know. But you know, so. potential buyout market guys for the Bulls there, both yeah. both Alec Burks and Nerlens. Yeah, very interesting stuff there. Uh, you do almost wonder if they could have gotten a first out of that. The Knicks got multiple firsts. Uh, 
in in that in that trade they that when they traded with the Thunder they got some firsts. Uh, I think they had another first coming their way, and they're doing a ton of maneuvering. Uh, so very interesting stuff. The, the Knicks are just doing a ton of shit ton to get Jalen Brunson. We'll see if they have other plans to do anything besides just Brunson. Uh, so very. Very interesting stuff there. And that's the a Knicks. club option for Nerlens on the third year oh. of his deal. To yeah. me, that means it's going to be more likely he's bought out. He could be someone who would be coveted on the buyout market if he does get bought out. You know, maybe Detroit tries to keep him, lob threat, another lob threat for Cade, uh, you know, more rim protection for them. They could keep him, but if he gets bought out, I think there's going to be a lot of teams. The Bucks would want him. A lot of teams would want him. So pretty interesting. The Bulls could go. Could want Noel. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about these guys, these big guys, and rim protection stuff like that. Like maybe he's an option. I don't know. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, other names out here. Actually, let's, let's not pivot to something you tweeted earlier today uh something that you were talking yourself into i don't know if how serious you actually were about one bulls legend carmelo anthony yeah baby <laughs> yeah oh, so oh, basically yeah, you know size and shooting again carmelo has positional size six foot eight i feel like they just need six foot eight yeah, guys on the roster yeah. and someone was talking about Bryn forbes Bryn forbes is like Five tests. I don't know how tall Bryn Forbes actually is, but he's a short man. <laughs> yeah. And Mello is still big body, 6'8", 230. And Mello's still a very good three-point shooter. Hit 38% of his threes last year. Took five attempts per game. He basically can't do anything but be a spot-up shooter at this point. But he's the right size. He shoots it well. And basically what led me to down this path was I was thinking the bulls could use someone kind of like Kyle Corver, just like a pure shooter. Yeah. Real gravity. So I'm looking through the list of available free agents and I'm like, okay, who's just the best shooter. You see Bryn Forbes. I'm like, eh, Bryn Forbes is too small. Who else? Ah, Mello. He's going to be 38. 
this season. This will be his age 38 season. He just turned 38. End of May. Uh, he can still let it fly, though, man. In Portland in 2021, 41% three-point shooter. The year before that in Portland in 2020, 38.5. Last year with the Knicks, 37.5. So, like, obviously, Mello can't really move anymore. He's really old for an NBA player. Like, but I think he's finally accepted his role. Yeah. Is the type of guy he's going to be. He knows he's not going to be a starter. I think that having someone like DeMar on the team would be attractive to Mello. I think someone like Zach could be attractive to Mello. And he could tutor Patrick Williams. And what Patrick Williams really needs to do is to let it fly, learn to become more confident as a shooter. And Mello could potentially be a very good tutor for a young Patrick Williams. So if it's a minimum deal, hell yeah. Like, as long as Mello's willing to accept that at age 38, he no longer is going to just be gifted minutes based on his reputation for the player he once was, I do think he could play 15 minutes a game for the Bulls. I think you could put him in lineups with DeRozan, Patrick Williams, Caruso, and Lonzo, sort of like hybrid bench units where he can space the floor for DeMar. You know, say what you will about Melo, but Melo's not record scratching on an open three. Melo's taking oh, yeah. that shot every time. <laughs> He's firing away. And especially after the Dalen Terry pick. I don't know if Terry's going to contribute much this year, but he's just another like long rangey defender that you would need next to someone like Melo, right? And who do you need next to those long rangey defenders who can't shoot? You need a guy who can shoot. So I think Melo might be the best peer shooter on the marketplace who's taller than Bryn Forbes. Uh, I think you could probably get him for a minimum deal. I think that he would likely. Well, can't you think you think so? Like, do the, I guess I don't know if the Lakers want him back. I guess if the Lakers offer him, like he's probably back there, but I guess I don't know if they want him. I asked our Lakers guy, Harrison Fagan, if he thought Mello was returning. He said, I don't think Mello is happy here. I oh, think he would be potentially looking to move. Oh, OK. So, you know. Give me mellow. Baby. I mean, you can do, you can certainly do worse as like your ninth or 10th man. When, when we need shooting, we're talking about talking about finding shooting cheap and late. Like mellow certainly is a ton of confidence in his shot. He's not going to turn him down. Yeah. 15 minutes a game. Like you can talk me into that. Uh, and just another big name, I guess, brings some more, I guess, hype. <laughs> uh, as long as, I mean, the problem with mellow in recent years is just that he's, he was playing too much. If you're counting on Melo to play 25, 30 minutes a game, like that's obviously a problem. If he's playing 15, that's probably fine. Just as uh, we talked about how we, we just need someone to gun off the bench and how we was hoping that was going to be Kobe uh, and just hasn't really panned out. But sure, why not? If there's, <laughs> I mean, like if we're talking about like Melo or Tony, like bringing Tony Snell back, like fuck, I'll take Melo, sure. Uh, like I, even Otto, like I guess I would, I would take Otto over Melo, but I guess I don't think Otto could. Otto's coming back here. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bryn Forbes, yeah, I guess I'd probably consider Mello over him, too, for, sh- for sure. Um, I don't know, it's interesting. We had another name here. Uh, another, I think, six seven six eight guy. This is from K-Bar, K-Bar 17. We brought up TJ Warren. TJ Warren has been out, I think, the last basically, like, two years. Uh, he had that. He got, like, really hot in the bubble. And then I think he, he injured, like, his foot. Uh, I think the next year, and he's basically just been out, I think for like two, almost two full years, he'd probably be cheap. 
Uh, I don't have his shooting numbers in front of me right now, but like the guys, I think he's more, is he more of a mid range guy? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. TJ Warren has a scoring bag that is just like truly unique. Yeah. Where I believe he was in the ACC the same year as like Jabari Parker. So he's been in the league for a while. It was at NC state. I think he led the ACC in scoring. He might've led the country in scoring that year, at least among power five conference guys. I've long, I've long been a big TJ Warren fan because he just has a deep and weird bag of scoring tricks to me. Warren would almost, I'm not going to say he's too good to take a small role with the bulls, but like, especially after he missed so much time, like I could see him get like a prove it deal. There's already rumors connecting him to Miami. And of course, Warren, uh, you know, just not a great three point shooter. He's someone who takes a lot of two pointers and is very good at two pointers. Now for his career, 35% from three, I mean, last two seasons above 40% from three, but typically low volume. I mean, he's gotten better there. Yeah. In Indiana, uh, 20 to 1920, 40% from three on three attempts per game. The year before that in Phoenix, 42.8% on four, 4.2 attempts per game. So it seems like the last couple of years when he was actually healthy, he started getting them up more. Uh, if obviously he was willing to do that, yeah, I'm very, I'm fascinated just what his market's going to be because he has barely played the last two seasons. Uh, like, can you get him? Like, is this a situation where you like hit, split the mid level with him and somebody else? Like, I don't think he, will, will there's will he be the full mid level? I can't imagine someone makes that kind of commitment after missing two full seasons, but maybe I mean, he is very good. Like, when healthy, he's been very good. Just the health has been a major problem for him because even when even before that, like first season 40 games, second season 47, 66, 65, 43, 67, and then four, and then did not play last year. So, like, health has been a huge problem for him, which leads me to believe that he would be very cheap. I guess I'm just not sure. Like I would look into it maybe. I mean, as, uh, as as another, a gunner, like you said, a guy with a deep bag off the bench, who knows what he can bring offensively at this point, but the last few years with his three point shooter, his three point rate coming up a bit, like that's at least interesting to me. Uh, Like I said, I have no idea if the bulls are actually interested in that, but I'd look into it. The bulls could use another, I guess the bulls could just use someone like that on the bench, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Why not look into it? Sure. Yeah. Warren, like, you know, yeah, I think he's just a talented scorer. The offense could use a scoring boost. TJ Warren and DeMar DeRozan in the same offense. To me, (laughs) that's just like a wild pairing. Maybe you could split them. Like I could see Warren going for a bigger role, which I just don't think he's going to get in Chicago because the team's built around DeRozan. So I'm going to say I don't feel like that's likely to happen, but I would be chill with it. If yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Chill with it. Speaking of the bench, we did have a couple questions about Kobe White. Um, we had from Mark at magic underscore Mark W. Why is Kobe White's trade value so low on paper? Former lottery pick. Still only 22. Shown some improvement. Flash of solid play. Shot crew here. I can field in three. Are you surprised at how low his value apparently is? And we also, I think we had one other question about Kobe. Uh, maybe not. No. Oh yeah. We had some, okay. We're at Greek bulls fan bulls need a big forward talking about power forwards. And this was also someone else asked about power forwards, uh, just about options, but this is more of a trade with Kobe. Uh, the bulls need a big forward. The wizards need another capable guard. What do you think guys think about Kobe for Rui Hachimura? For, so for the first one about like, what are you surprised that Kobe's trade value is so low? Uh, why is it so low? I'm not surprised at all. Kobe is an inconsistent, 
kind of, I wouldn't say undersized. He is six, five, but I feel like he just does not play six, five inconsistent. He was awful in the playoffs. He was awful at the end of last season. He's just never been able to put it together. I don't know if the trade, if the draft pedigree matters in the slightest anymore. Uh, Maybe someone is still willing to bet on some upside there, but like when they tried to play him at point guard, he stunk. Uh, Like I said, defensively, he just plays. It's not very good. Uh, like I said, he was terrible in the playoffs, shrinks in big moments. He ha- has moments like I think Kobe White still has some value as a guy who can, in the regular season, especially as a guy who can just fill it up. And maybe he, maybe, and I don't want to judge him based on a few playoff games. This is the only few playoff games he's played, and it was against the Bucks, and they obviously the Bulls were out, man. But I mean, he looked terrible. Uh, and, and that was just kind of a thing the whole end of last season. So, like, do I think Kobe White is like a total bust of an NBA player? No, but I'm, are you surprised that his trade value is, is low? Also, no, because like going into a third season now where he's extension eligible, like, uh, and then whatever you trade, if you trade for him now, you give him this season and then one more season before maybe he hits restricted free agency. He just hasn't shown any consistency, hasn't shown just any really of a legitimate high level upside, nothing more than like microwave score. And I feel like that kind of guy, like people figure, oh, you can find that guy kind of guy almost anywhere. And he's not like a special three-point shooter. Did he improve? His percentages did improve this season, but like he's still not like a like a knockdown three-point guy that you can like really count on because the high he just he has such high he has high highs, but then low lows, and then just it fluctuates so much where just like you can't really rely on him. So like ultimately, I'm not surprised that the market hasn't been there at this point. Like you do wonder if he's gonna be back. Uh, just because the Bulls do need shooting, and do they trade one of their only like decent shooters? I guess if you trade him for a good one, sure. Um, I had figured that he would be gone just because again, he's, I guess he's not really seems like an AK type, but uh, I don't know. And then uh, in terms of that, like a, uh, the Kobe for Rui trade, I mean, like Rui would be a decent one backup. I would assume he'd be the backup for, I mean, we could you talk about needing just six, eight, six, nine guys. I mean, there's Rui. I know we've talked about Kuzma. Uh, it'd be interesting to go after Kuzma or like KCP from the Wizards as well. Uh, I don't know if Kobe would play into a trade there. If you'd like trade like Kobe and like the Blazers pick for one of those guys. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't even know if Kobe for Rui. I mean, I, what would, would did Rui even have a good season last year? I'd have to look up his numbers. Uh, I don't really know that much about him. I know he like missed the start of the year. He just like sat out last season. Oh, he shot. 44.7% from three on low volume, but still really good. He had a decent night last season. Like maybe, I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you think about just Kobe in general and about that proposed idea, whether it's Rui, whether it's any of those wizards guys, the wizards do have kind of like a log jam at forward and on the wing. You know, we say that Kobe's not an AK guy, but who's here that was on the roster when AK True. was high. Kobe's <laughs> still here. So I think you have to take that into consideration. Now, Kobe, uh, he is probably the third best shooter on the team behind Zach and Lonzo. The team has no shooting. So when you're thinking about trading him, I think that you definitely don't want to just dump him, just give him away. Yeah. But if I'm Kobe, I probably want to go to a new team. I mean, they just drafted another guard in Dale and Terry. Maybe they see him as a wing. To me, Terry's better as a guard than as a wing because that's where his size is really special. They take Io last year. They sign Lonzo and Caruso. They're about to max out Levine. If I'm Kobe, I'm like, I want to go to another team on the last year of my rookie contract so I can prove I'm worth 
a big deal on my second contract. The worry for Kobe is that it's going to turn out like Malik Monk, who is also a top 10 pick. I believe Monk went like nine or 10 or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. And he had a pretty good last year with Charlotte in the fourth year of his deal had no offers ended up going to the Lakers for 1.7 million a year. Now Monk rehabbed his value quite a bit with LA. I'm very curious to see what Malik Monk signs for this off season. He's someone who, if the bulls did let Kobe go, I'd be like, yeah, sign Malik Monk. Malik Monk's pretty dope. So I think for Kobe's perspective, he should probably want to move on most likely from the bulls perspective. Like they just have a lot of guards, but they don't have a lot of guards who can shoot. So if they're going to move Kobe, I would like to see them get, you know, a legitimate rotation piece back. I would not just give him away yeah, because he still can shoot and they need guys who can shoot. So uh, it's, if it's Kobe for Rui, that's pretty interesting. I've never been a big Rui guy. Would the Wizards do that? I mean, pretty interesting. They did just draft Johnny Davis. Davis. So they got another guard there now. Of course, they still got Beal. They're about to max out Beal. But the Wizards got a lot of forwards. I would love to try to get KCP from the Wizards. If there's any way the Bulls could swing that. So I probably expect Kobe to be traded. Uh, I just hope that they don't trade him for another non-shooter or another short guy. Right. Because <laughs> they got a lot of those. Yeah, I mean, tra- yeah, trading Kobe. If you're trading Kobe, you need to get, I feel like, a shooter back. Or you trade Kobe for a big man. And you use the mid-level for shooting. Uh, you mentioned, I guess, yeah, Monk would be... Monk seems like he wants to go back to the Lakers. He talked about taking less to go back to the Lakers. I would assume that with Kyrie's not taking their $6 million taxpayer. I'm guessing that's what they'll use to sign Malik Monk, uh, that he'll be back on. I mean, he'd be kind of dope. Malik Monk just kind of brings a lot of swag to the table. And talk, another just guy who is absolutely willing to get up shots. Like, he'd be pretty dope, for sure. I don't think he's coming here. I think he's probably going back to the Lakers. Um yeah, let's see. We had a few other questions here. Um, our guy Mort um, asked about Xavier Tillman. What do you feel about Xavier Tillman? Should be a, uh, I believe he was with Memphis this last season. How do you feel about Xavier Tillman? He I can't say I know that much contract, about him. He was a, no? Is he what? a restricted free agent? Uh, I don't know. He wrote Mort wrote about him for Forbes that he should be a target for the Bulls. Uh, maybe is maybe is this a trade? This would be a trade, maybe. Um, let's see. Yeah, so Tillman is on a team option. Well, so for next year, Tillman is locked in, it looks like. And then 23, 24, he's on a team option. Okay, so, so this would be a yeah, trade then. You have to trade for him. I'm good with Tillman. I've always loved Tillman. Dating back to him replacing Nick Ward in Michigan State's lineup three, four years ago at this point. Uh, yeah, he give him some beef inside. He brings some nastiness. He can rebound. He can be a deterrent in the paint. Pretty good passer, good touch as a scorer. So I'd like Xavier Tillman for sure. Like, what are you giving up for him, though? Right. Yeah. I mean, Mort here talks about like offering Marco. <laughs> hey, but that's maybe that'll be their shooter. One of their, their shooter off the bench, Marco. <laughs> just kidding. Talked about trading Kobe White for him. Uh, I mean, that would obviously be, we just talked about, I don't know if we want to trade him for another non shooter. Seems kind of questionable. Or they trade him for, try to trade him for Tillman to use again, use the MLE to get shooting. Maybe that uh, I don't know if the Grizzlies actually want Kobe, but I know they could use a little more three point shooting. That's what more talked about in here. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm not too, too familiar with Xavier, but I know like the Grizzlies have just been nailing so many. Uh, they just nail so many of their 
draft picks and they've been getting so many gems and he was MSU guy, right? You might've said that already, but uh, yep. yeah. So, I mean, that would be interesting. Like, more to ask, like, am I crazy? Is this an idea entirely idiotic or only slightly? And I, think, I would not say it's idiotic, more smart, smart basketball guy. Go follow him at, at MSJ NBA, but uh, kind of interesting. Um, you kind of addressed this earlier already about uh, undervalued assets from UE Abbey. Uh, we talk about like market inefficiencies, like what is the next market space, quote unquote, to be utilized? This said rebounding hasn't valued enough. And you said the bulls, the market inefficiency is just versatile guys who can't shoot. Uh, do you have a, is that your official answer to that question? Or do you have uh you said, because you said, I feel like you responded and you said you wanted to t- address that point. And was yeah, that, and was I, that your addressing that in the podcast? Yeah. It was basically that I think the market inefficiency these days is guys who can't shoot <laughs> because everyone wants shooting. Everyone right. wants spacing, but her point about rebounding, I think is pretty interesting too. Like, the Bulls last year, towards the bottom of the league in offensive rebounding, obviously part of that trade-off was just like getting back in transition defense. You can't have it both ways, right? Yeah. But in the playoffs, I think we always see the value of offensive rebounding. I'm on Right? So, like, yeah. uh, is offensive rebounding market inefficiency? Should the Bulls go after a guy who can attack you on the offensive glass just as a weapon in a playoff series? I think that's an interesting point by Abby. And, uh, you know, Ties back to size. You need size if you're yeah. going to be an offensive rebounder. And it's something that they should probably look into this offseason. And I haven't even mentioned yet, uh, just one of my favorite talking points these days about how the Bulls need some dogs because they just don't have enough dog in them. Uh, and that's kind of what, I mean, maybe that's just the yeah the part of the market inefficiency we're talking about is the guys who, versatile dudes who can't shoot, but they got a lot of dog in them. And that's seems like that's what Dale and Terry is. That's what Iowa is. Not Patrick Williams yet. Uh, maybe he'll get that dog out of out of nowhere, but uh, I mean, it's, I feel like Xavier Tillman seems like a guy who probably has some dog in him. Uh, oh I mean, yeah, at- I mean, Dalen Terry is definitely a dog prospect. <laughs> Io's got that dog in him. Caruso like leads the league in dog in him. <laughs> Lonzo, I think he's got that dog in him. I, I think, think so too. So I mean, that's, I mean, that's the, when the Bulls lost Lonzo and Caruso, they just like lost all the fucking dog in them. They had IO, but like they just lost the dog in them. And that really, that really killed them. <laughs> well, Dalen's going to provide that. Yeah. Baby. Oh, yeah. Dale, and Dalen, just a lo- great pandering uh, since. Oh, my God. Uh, just incredible pandering from Dalen Terry. We got picking number 25 because of uh, what Steve Kerr and Benji, Benji Wilson, right? Benji Wilson. When yeah. he said that, I'm like, dude, yeah. you were born in like 1999. <laughs> exactly. And then he tweeted about him watching the last dance and he's feeling like Mike, just absolute incredible stuff from Dale and Terry Panner. By the way, Dale and Terry was born in 2002. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was a sophomore in high school going to saves the day concerts back then. <laughs> um, let's see. We had a few more here. This is from Michael Rosenfeld talking about his other guards. He said, we've talked a lot about bigs here. Much of the freedom talk is centered on bigs team fell apart. If the ball and sack got hurt, that looks good on paper, but he has concerns. He brings up Ricky Rubio or Dennis Schroeder as MLE targets. Rubio is coming off a torn ACL, will not be able to play until probably December or January, I think. Uh, I don't know. Another guy who can't shoot. I would probably, and Schroeder's the same way. Like, I don't know if I would take two more point, like another point guard who can't shoot. I feel like that just shouldn't be in the cards. Uh, and again, with Rubio not being able to play half the season, don't love that. And Schroeder just seems like, I don't know. 
pain in the butt. I know we talked about Shooter as a possible target last, last offseason. I know it seemed like he was fine with the Rockets after he got traded to, to them, but I don't know. I don't love it, especially with Rubio at the injury thing. And it seems like the Cavs kind of want him back, so maybe they go after him again. Uh, Schroeder, I mean, I wouldn't use the full Emily on him, that's for sure. Uh, again, just another, I know he played again, he played really well with Billy Donovan with the Thunder that one year. And he had, that was the year he like shot really well from three, but like, I don't know. Don't love it. What do you think about either of those names? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, ex- exactly right. Uh, we had a funny tweet about IO here playing in our building as the ghost of John Paxson still haunting these solid halls. Uh, that was funny, but obviously hope IO takes a big leap this year. I think that was based. Oh, we had a, uh, we had one just uh, from that guy, Murph TV asked, and we kind of talked about big, what are your thoughts on big packages for superstars? I haven't really seemed, I haven't really seen a team be good for more than two seasons after doing so. Should we look for something like that or try to find a young, big and free agency? We obviously addressed the big and free agency, but to the point about like trading a shit ton for like, for, for a big name, like with Gobert, I think we've obviously addressed how we think we'd probably trade for Gobert. Uh, getting big star, you talk about, I guess it just depends on the rest of your team. And like, if you have the infrastructure there to be able to make a big trade like that and maintain a good team, I don't know how much it would actually cost to get trade for Gobert. Uh, and obviously you use, you make trades like that to get star level players, then hopefully get another, uh, even high level player. You're talking about Kevin Durant. Uh, I guess talking about a big name, like would, do you, we haven't brought up Aiden yet. It seems like Aiden's, Going maybe going back to the Suns, the Pistons now took themselves out of the Aiden thing. Do you still think the Bulls should look into getting Aiden? Would you still try try for something like that? I don't know we talked with Gobert. Seems like it might be dead. Would you still think about looking into Aiden at this point? So what? It would have to be some sort of sign and trade. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously the Bulls don't have cap space. Uh, yeah, so it'd have to be like what, like Vooch. And there's the weird base your compensation stuff there. I don't want to get into it totally, but like you figure. Uh, it would have to be probably Vooch and then some other type of asset or two. Uh, just because it doesn't seem like the Suns do not seem to value him at a max, but it, his mark, the market just might not be there now for him. So, I mean, he's 24. I'm going to give my stamp is not a realistic Bulls target. Yeah. yeah like, I, mean, I, I agree. Take- I agree. Not realistic, but Eaton, like, for sure. Do you, th- do you think they should at least try to look into it and be like, hey, like, I yeah, I think they should poke around it. I honestly think Aiton's a little overrated, but he's so young and he's so gifted right. that even at max money on a slight overpay, his max isn't that. His much. max not big. That's thirty million this year. Like that's not that bad. Like Dude, he's going to be making Jalen Brunson money. Of right, course, yeah. you want DeAndre Aiton making Jalen yeah, like, Brunson. Money. I would ease. I, I have I have my concerns about Aiton too. Just playing too soft, even though he's a seven foot monster. But like he's yeah, he's twenty four and like. There have been t- when he's locked in, like he was really fucking good these last couple of years uh, with the Suns helping them be a what 64 win team. And then they got to the finals with him playing really well. Did he get buried by Giannis in the finals? Yes, but Giannis buries just about everybody. Uh, so, like 24, one of the what do you say, top seven center? Top is he top five? Like Embiid, Jokic, uh, Cat. What other like what other centers are like definitely Gobert. Gobert? What other centers are definitely better than Aiden out there? Like, I know you worry about like whatever him being a little slow footed as well, but I don't know. He's probably at least a top five to ten center around there. So like 20, 30 million a year, thirty it would probably have to be like thirty five million a year. Like 
yeah, I'd fucking look into it. Why not? Uh, I don't know if they'll actually do it. Like I said, there really hasn't been much out there. And in terms of like making a big move, as Murph asked about, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. Uh, I don't think they know. And AK keeps harping on the continuity thing. It doesn't seem like he's trying to. There's anything like huge in the works with the Gobert thing seemingly dead. Obviously, listening to the whatever GMs and stuff, it can be doesn't always mean jack shit, but uh, we'll see. Uh, let's see. I feel like we had one. Oh, this also, this was from K bar. had another question for me that just to answer it, order of the signings impact cap shop options available. I, I wish I would have said this earlier when I was going through that. I don't think it matters because Levine's cap hold is so big. The bulls have no cap space. Uh, I think either way they're going to be like, they p- use the mid-level they get into the tax uh, stuff like that. I don't, I don't think that'll matter, but I'm not, like I said, I'm not that big of a cap nerd, so I'm not totally sure. Last question that we had, this was from at West Sports PT, Mason West. He's going to have some really good information on Twitter about like Lonzo Ball's knee problems. Uh, this guy rocks. Thank you yeah. for listening, Mason. Great stuff. He just asked if we a perfect offseason. I guess so like he, here's how we'll finish up here is an I your ideal offseason. I feel like I had just have no good answer here, but what <laughs> what would be your ideal offseason? Trade for Kevin Durant. Kyrie forces his way out. <laughs> We trade for Kevin hey, Durant. He according to Brian Windhorse and other people, Shams, there is Kyrie still could get traded. So maybe the, this still falls apart again. They trade Kyrie and K, K, later this summer, Katie asked out and the Bulls just end up with a getting Katie. Yeah. So realistically, all right. I'm in on Hartenstein. I do think that like, it's kind of a lot of money for him because yeah. he's a one positional player, but he's really good. And he's young and he could be a Vooch replacement and smart people like him. <laughs> I liked him last year on the minimum. I don't know about 40 million, right. but I'm into it. I'm into it. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm to cu- go I guess on. I'm curious if it would take a full four years to sign him. Uh, I don't know. Or if they can do something two or three years, but like decent part of that Emily, decent money. I don't know. <laughs> Four years, okay. 40 or whatever it would be. It would be a decent amount for him. And then uh, let's send Kobe somewhere. Let's get – I want, like, KCP. Can we get KCP somehow without giving up a first-round pick? To me, that would be a really good move because KCP, like, Washington's got so many wings. Would you rather have – sorry, you might have said this earlier. Did, would you rather have KCP or Kuzma? Kuzma. Okay, yeah. So let's fucking – let's somehow – Let's somehow get Kuzma. Let's get Hard Hard Rock and Kuzma. So then you're trading what? You're and I believe Kuzma is an expiring. Yeah, right? I mean you'd have you'd hope. I guess that's like, hey, we'll, like, we'll resign you. I guess the, the thing with Portland getting Kuzma, pick. the thing with getting Kuzma is like, is is it worth whatever trading for Kuzma and then having him basically block Patrick Williams? I guess it depends on how much you really believe in Patrick Williams. Uh, that's a, you always need guys like that, right? Yeah. You need six nine guys who yeah. are talented. So I mean, would would the would the Wizards do like they could? I mean, yeah, they Johnny Davis. Uh, they have I know. I mean, I can't really call Kobe a point guard at this point, but they do need help in the backcourt because I feel like they have nobody there besides like Davis and Beal right now. I don't even remember who else they have in their contract, but I mean, they they're in the market for a point guard. Like I said whether you want to call Kobe a point guard, I don't, like would they do would they do Kobe and the Blazers pick for Kuzma? I would. Yeah, I mean, yes, I would do it for Incredible. sure. With Incredible. the Blazers, how about that? In case, or would the Wizards KCP? do it? I don't know. I don't know if you want to give up the pick for KCP, 
But Kobe for KCP could be good. Could be good for both parties. So, uh, I don't know, man. Like, any sort of big wing who can shoot in a big, who can block shots and move a little bit, that should be the agenda. Uh, I think, you know, our boy Steph had some good uh, suggestions. He said Amir Coffee, who I always liked Coffee at Minnesota. He was one of my favorite Big Ten guys to watch a few years ago, scouting draft prospects. Amir Coffee played a lot for the Clippers last year. He's a 6'9 wing. He's kind of interesting. He's young. So that could be a good buy low guy. But yeah, basically they need a big wing who can shoot and they need a big man. Hard Rock, can... Kuzma, and Mello. There's the Bulls offseason. Hard Rock, Kuzma, and Mello. Lock it in. <laughs> Conference finals. Why not? Yeah, I mean, it, just in general, if we, you don't really want to include names, they obviously need a backup big. They obviously need multiple shooters, and I, it would be ideal. They'd need some size on the wing, too, for sure. So, like, even if you may get a big wing shooter, a backup big, and then maybe, like, another just, like, sharp shooter, whether, even if it's a small guy, a sharp shooter who's just not fucking Matt Thomas, uh, <laughs> something like that. It's obviously just the archetype of players the Bulls are looking for. Throw in all these names. We've thrown a lot of names out here today. Try to make something like that happen. They do have avenues. They'd have this MLE, whether they use all of it on one player, whether they use multiple, whether they split it into multiple guys. We'll see how the cap works out in terms of being able to use that traded player exception. Like I said, it's $5 million from Daniel Tice. They don't have the biannual. Otherwise, it's minimum deals. Um, and we'll see. Uh, obviously, there's already stuff going down. For agency, as you said, opens on Thursday night. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's like anything we haven't, touched on yet i'm pretty sure we've gotten to basically basically all the good rumors i, th- I mean the, there have been there's been very little i feel like on the bulls front in terms of actual rumors out there because i haven't seen that many besides besides zach that zach is almost certainly coming back but in terms of like targets i feel like i haven't really seen much and bulls operating in secrecy and all that kind of stuff uh which is fine obviously but uh it's always fun when there's rumors i got a question for you Jace. Yeah. who's the best player to move this offseason league-wide I mean, at this point, looks like Brunson's moving. Uh, well, it looks I mean, like John John Collins still supposed to get traded. I mean, who would you say Brunson is better than John Collins? I don't know. They're both, I think they're pretty on like a similar tier of like, yeah, maybe like a number three, no, maybe number two, uh, probably like a number three guy. And I guess Brun. I mean, Brunson. It would have been awesome that Brunson on the Bulls actually, but uh, maybe not a. I don't know. The, the Brun- There's going to be a lot made of Brunson getting whatever, 25, 30 million. Brunson's really fucking good. He looked really good when uh, Luca was out. I don't know if he's worth quite this much. Except he can't hit catch and shoot threes and he's slow as hell. Yeah. And he's short. Is he short? Is he six feet tall? Is he even taller than that? I don't know. He might be taller than that, but I might be an idiot. But uh, <sighs> all right. I'm going to Br- say it's Gobert. I think Gobert is moving. Or, I mean, do you think DeJunte Murray ends up getting traded? I mean, Murray. Gobert is obviously better than all those guys. You think he's? You think Gobert is ultimately getting traded? Yeah, I just can't see Utah running it back. I I do. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. Which means I guess is I guess that's why. Whatever. Like, I don't. We can't count out a Bulls Gobert trade. Like, I exactly. Given that's the, the, the fact back. that the rumors are out there, clearly it's been talked about. Uh, who knows just how interested the Bulls are? And we've heard like the Patrick Williams hold up. I would assume that that trade cannot happen unless Patrick Williams is involved. I mean, they're not taking Vooch, uh, Kobe, and whatever, like Dale and Terry or something like, or I, I mean, Vooch, Kobe, and like, I, 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 that's just not happening. Like they need like at least one, like feel like 
and like picks. They need at least like one blue chip. I feel like prospect and whatever you think of Patrick Williams. Like, I would assume that just with what they're looking for in terms of wings, better defense, perimeter defense, stuff like that, like that he would make sense. And I guess it wouldn't surprise if they did want Iowa as well in a go bear trade. And like, obviously if that's like the holdup, you probably just say, yes, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to trade Iowa after one season as an, as an Illinois guy. And as someone who just bought an Iowa bulls Jersey, that would be, <laughs> that'd be tough. But I mean, if you're trying, if you're getting Rudy Gobert out of it, I guess you would, but yeah. So like go I mean, with, with all that's been out there about the jazz, it would be just shocking if they did bring it, run everybody back. Unless Mitchell ends up getting traded, but I guess Gobert might is considered better than Mitchell. I don't know. M- Mitchell's, I really like Mitchell coming to the league and I feel like he's been mostly really good, but just a weird, kind of like a weird playoffs for him with how bad he was defensively. But one of those Utah guys, probably Gobert. Yeah, it'd just be hard to see them running it back. Collins seems like he's getting traded. Brunson's obviously looks like changing teams. What do you make of the Murray stuff? Do you think the Spurs will trade him and tank for Wemby? Do you think they should do that? Honestly, from the Spurs, I see a lot of people saying, why would the Spurs do this? I, love I get it. it. I get Spurs. it. Because when he's, first of all, how many all-star games is DeJounte Murray making in his career? I really like DeJounte Murray. I'm and he was, a repla- he was a replacement all-star this year, right? I'm skeptical he's getting back to all-star level, really. But you're going to have to pay him probably yeah. near max or max contract. Max. He, he definitely will want a max deal. And if you could get a haul of picks for him, I would probably do that. I mean, the Spurs have been stuck in this spot where they're like the ninth best team in the West or whatever. Like yeah, this is a, unique, a lane, trade unique him, spot get picks, him. tank, build through the draft in three years. You're probably looking much better than you look right now. Yeah. And like, Maybe. Because, because Murray is, he's, he's good enough where like they're definitely, especially if they have like portal there too, who, and we haven't talked about him as a possible trade target when who's a trade option, supposedly at the deadline, I'd still look into that as your backup, but I get he's, and he's another guy who could, take over for Vooch as the starting center. Um, like those guys will keep the Spurs competitive enough, but like they're definitely not going anywhere. And like Murray is very, very good, but like he's obviously, he can't really shoot. So like, he's obviously got kind of, he's got a ceiling on him as a lead guard because he just can't shoot at all. So it's like, yeah, where are they going with this version of their team? And like, I'm not really a big tank guy. Like I get, I think I, I get it in certain circumstances. And like, this is yeah. one where I get it. If you get three or four firsts and you tank for this fucking crazy French dude uh, who's supposedly now, incredible. And like, any, there's other guys at the top of the draft too. Like whatever scoot uh, never tank for the number one pick. That's right. just stupid. Only one team is going to get the number one pick. And obviously the bulls basically tanked for years and they came away with Lowry Martin and Wendell <laughs> yeah. Carter Jr. Kobe white. That was never going to win anything with that collection, you know, even if they let it grow. But I do think it's okay to go for the tank. You just can't tank in perpetuity. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sure. also the Bulls didn't really commit to the tank. They, no, they signed didn't. Sean Kilpatrick and half-assed it right, yeah. on the tank. So right. the Bulls had one year where they were positioned to tank. They should have done it. Luca was the prize at the end of and Luca didn't even go number one. Uh well, I guess the, the problem here is that like Wemby is like the easy number one. Yes, like there's no chance he's not going one unless he like I mean, even if he like tore his ACL like tomorrow, would he still go number one next year? 
I would think so. Like but is Scoot I don't good know. enough? Is Scoot the number two guy? Who who is your like whatever this Scoot, top guy? Yeah. The next so guy. I dropped a 2023 mock draft. Yeah. You can look at it at SBNation.com. Victor Wembanyama, perhaps seven foot five, French wunder kid, <laughs> uh, shoots threes, block shots, great play finisher, great rim protector. Uh, Wembanyama is awesome. Number one pick, unless something significant happens, I would think. But Scoot Henderson's a great prospect too. Scoot Henderson, shades of prime D Rose in terms of his explosiveness going to the basket. Could also compare him to like a Baron Davis, a John Wall, maybe a Russell Westbrook. Uh, really good, big, powerful guard, but he's like 6'2, so he's not super tall, maybe 6'3. Um, so Scoot Henderson, very good. You got the Thompson twins in overtime elite. I had him three, four on my preseason draft board. I'm skeptical they go that high because I think that, you know, you look at this past draft, none of the overtime elite guys got drafted. So they're just going to be like a weird developmental case where like, yeah. you don't really have reliable numbers on them. How good's the level of competition, right? It's going to be a strain and they're old for their class. They should have been in this last draft. I don't know why they weren't. They're a year older than everyone next year. So kind of strange. And then in terms of college guys, Kilo Ware going to Oregon, really like him. Reminds me a bit of like a Jared Allen type, super long, big man, but also has some ball skills. Uh, Nick Smith, Arkansas, Ware's high school teammate, 6'3 guard, very skinny, but super quick inside of the arc, basically a three-level scorer. Can you score at the rims? Kind of interesting, but basically he's a scorer who can also pass. Combo guard, fits in with like the Jordan Poole, Tyrese Maxey, Tyler Hero type. Uh, you got Cam Whitmore, who reminds me of Miles Bridges a little bit, sort of built like a tank, 6'6". Six, six, Hornets arms. better pay Miles Bridges, by the way. Just don't it's, fuck around. Just pay the guy. Don't be cheap, cool. MJ. I'm a little surprised by the Pistons burning their cap space on uh, Burks and Noel when they could have thrown a bag at Miles Bridges, but of course Charlotte could have matched it. Right. So, And now the Pistons basically kick their cap space to next year. We'll have a chance to, you know, have the same cap space next year. So, uh, yeah, I think next year's draft is pretty good. The college talent isn't like overwhelmingly awesome, but Wembenyama is a super prospect. Scoot Henderson is like basically a super prospect and drafts typically get judged by the talent at the top. So looks good to me. Yeah, that's why it seems like a unique situation for the Spurs where they get three or four firsts and they just then they trade Murray and then trade some guys tank for this one season. Hopefully you get Wemby or Scoot or one of these other top guys, then kind of build it back up from there. Pop, I'm assuming would retire Who, whoever they hire next, build this new like thing of Spurs basketball. But besides that, what other big names are even out there? Zach's not going anywhere. It doesn't look like Beal's going anywhere. Harden's staying. Kyrie seems like he's staying for now. KD, same way. So ultimately, pro- to the answer to that question, it's probably Gobert. I guess Aiden is also a possibility, but you'd probably take Gobert over Aiden. So if ultimately, if you think Gobert is getting traded, I think he's probably your answer here, going back to the question of best player. Because what is Gobert? Like a top 50, 20 player? Top 15? I mean, impact-wise, impact guy in the regular season, he's obviously one of the most impact, the most impactful defender in the NBA in the regular season. Obviously, the impact does come down. It has come down a bit in the playoffs, but... So ultimately, probably, I guess him, right? Do you think there's yep. anybody else who who moves that is any better than him? If he if Gobert moves, that's a major piece to move. Yeah, 
Major piece. I mean, he makes a lot of money that scares people away. Bulls aren't going to have cap space anyway. They got to go through Giannis, Embiid, Celtics, Heat. All those teams got size. Yeah, if the Bulls make this trade, the Bulls make that trade, I'd talk myself into it immediately. Like, unless they just, like, gave up a ridiculous amount for it. And even then, I'd talk myself into it because he would make the Bulls a really damn good team next year. How good in the playoffs? I don't know, but... It would also just be fun to talk about a big trade like that and the Bulls being a part of big blockbuster trade. So we'll see. Uh, Ricky, you have any final thoughts? We should probably wrap it up. We've been going for a while. Any, wrap it up. any final thoughts here on Fridge coming up? Uh, wrap it up. We're good to go. Let's wrap it up. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. That's uh, our Fridge preview here at Cash Considerations, A Shambles podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network with all the Fridge happening right now. Obviously, go check out all the other great pods all across the network, talking draft, talking free agency. NBA offseason is here, and it's fun, and it's crazy. I guess if you like all the KD or Kyrie, KD uh, nonsense and all the slop, uh, it's it's entertaining enough, even though Kyrie is a goofball. but uh, And for us here at Cash, uh, obviously, we'll see what happens with the Bulls. Uh, Will you be a, or will you be available to uh, do stuff on Thursday and talk Thursday night if like Zachary signs or if there's anything going on? Are we gonna be back here or should we push it Jason, to the weekend or something? I'll do it all for the listeners. All right, love it. Yeah. So all right, if the if there is something, if Zachary signs right away Thursday, if the Bulls make a signing, one or the other, both, whatever happens, we will maybe we'll do a, a, a Spotify live. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, either way, we're, we're here to cover it for you here at Cash Considerations Day Chicago Bulls Podcast. As, as always, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. Run Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SB underscore Ricky. Shout out to Fuzzgun for our intro. Go check out his SoundCloud. This has been Cash Considerations A Chicago Bulls Podcast. We will talk to you guys later this week, hopefully assuming the Bulls do something as great as begins on Thursday evening. Talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.